Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is the Redskins partner. And Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls. Presented by the Dynasty Football If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, as the owner of a 9-3 and team that's already clinched first place but has Rob Gronkowski, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me the last few days. But other than that, I'm doing good. And i got to thank you for uh, getting me into the DFW 36 league. It's going to be tough turning that team around. I, they've won two games all year and ranked 35th out of the 36 teams. And I don't have a first or a pick until round four next year. But, you know, it's a, it's a multi-year process, and I think I'll get them turned around. How are you doing today, Josh? Oh yeah, it's always fun to take over a, a, an orphan team. That's that's certainly certainly sure. Uh, I'm doing today good today. As I forgot to say my name, I am Joshua Johnson, your illustrious host. Um, I don't even know what that word means. I just said it. But anyway, fantasy playoffs are upon us in most leagues. I actually am very fortunate to where the league that I have Gronk. I've already clinched my playoff spot, and we have one more game left playoffs will start to week 14 in that league so i don't i don't need to win this week but i'm already in the playoffs so hey grant can miss this week and i will be just fine speaking of playoffs playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs i just hope we can win a game another game (laughs) that never gets old um not not a whole lot going on today just Besides this awesome podcast, uh, Mr. Chuck Dice could be stopping by a little bit later on to do some ATS picks for us. Um, and yeah, so let's, uh, as always, we'll have you know some waiver waiver wire talk, some dynasty trade analysis, cinnamon uh, stardom IDP and offensive, a great dynasty dilemma as we take on the uh, injured quarterback theory here as we pit. Uh, 
Tony Rumble versus Joe Flacco. Uh, and then we're gonna, we got a little bit of a prospect watch for you today too. So that should be uh, that should be fun. It's a new thing that we're kind of messing around with moving forward here. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, Nick, what do you got for uh, some thoughts on Week Twelve? That was Thanksgiving week. Well, first off, holy Doug Baldwin, 19 catches, 339 yards, and four touchdowns over the last three games, 145 yards and three scores this last week. Uh, I mean, your depth at wide receiver is going to determine if you roll him out against Minnesota this week, but then he plays Baltimore, Cleveland, and St. Louis in the fantasy playoffs in week 14 through 16. This guy could be definitely an under-the-radar guy who helps win a lot of leagues. Uh, now, Kansas City has won uh, five straight games, you know, six and five, and with a pretty favorable schedule, I mean, if I had to pick any six and five team right now to make the playoffs and put my money on, they would probably be the team I would, I would, uh, I would go with. And uh, now I know there's no such thing as a moral victory, but it's hard not to be impressed with the 49ers going just toe to toe with the now nine and two Arizona Cardinals, especially after the way San Francisco had been losing earlier this season. Uh, Dallas and Philly both got crushed on Thanksgiving, so the NFC East is likely down to the five and six Washington uh, versus the New York Giants. Uh, the Giants will have to play the Jets at Miami, Carolina at Minnesota, and Philly, while the Skins face Dallas at Chicago, Buffalo at Philly, and at Dallas. So on paper today, it looks like the Skins have an easier road, but who knows? I mean, a month ago, nobody would have predicted Green Bay would be facing a Detroit team this week that's won three straight games. Uh, the Colts have also won three straight. So while uh, AFC rivals uh, Houston, they won four in a row, leaving both those teams tied at 6-5 and five atop the division. Uh, the teams also meet in Week 15 in, in Indianapolis. That could be the division deciding game right there. And finally, the undefeated season came to an end for New England on a cold Sunday night in Denver. Uh, with Edelman and Amendola out, Brady focused mainly on his tight ends and running backs for the majority of his completions. While for Denver, both running backs found the end zone, including, of course, C.J. Anderson's 48-yard touchdown in overtime. I was going to play Hail to the Redskins for you, Nick. I don't have it loaded up. I I, I need to get loaded up on this, <laughs> on this site. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so uh, other thoughts? Um, Last week, I'm sure we, I'm sure I prefaced it because I love him so much. But you know, everybody thought DeAndre Hopkins was going to have like 200 plus receiving yards last week against that awful Saints secondary, and the guy had five catches for 36 yards. It just, it just you know, just when you seem to, I mean, obviously nobody's going to bench Hopkins, and I wouldn't ever recommend that. But it's just, it just goes to show you that who knows what could happen each and every week. You know, you brought him. You know, nobody in their right mind would have benched uh, Hopkins for Doug Baldwin, right, Nick? But you know, it's just, it, especially considering the, the matchup, but it just we just don't know week to week. You know, every time you think it's just a sure thing, it's 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 it, it almost is never not, especially in this uh, this fantasy world. So, it's just a weird thing. I kind of laughed that you brought that up. Uh, me and my son play head to head every week on DraftKings. You can do a head, you know, free head to heads against family members and. A couple of weeks ago, I laughed because he used Tyler Lockett. Lo and behold, Tyler Lockett scored two touchdowns. And then last week, of course, he used Doug Baldwin. He showed me Doug Baldwin. I'm just like, all right, you know. And then that's what he does. Maybe Henry should be on this show every week, recommending daily plays after after a couple of great calls <laughs> like that. But uh, um, St. Louis has looked awful lately, and they gave Todd Gurley nine carries. Uh, no wonder they lost by three. Four touchdowns. I mean, or four, 24 points. I just, 
even when you're down in a game, you don't really have to just start throwing the ball, especially when you have a crap quarterback situation already. You don't have to force that ball in the air until the fourth quarter. Why Why do you have essentially, you know, one of the top ten running backs in the league on your team and you give him nine carries? You know, I hearken back to week one when Adrian Peterson had like three carries in the first half against San Francisco. And, oh, surprise, surprise, they lost that game by 17 points. I mean, you he's the best player on this team offensively, certainly. Why? Why just nine carries? I mean, you gotta you gotta know stick with what has got you wins before, and really nine carries. Um, Tevin Coleman filling at adequately for uh, Devontae Freeman, but, but for some reason, uh, the more I watch that, and it seems like every time Coleman does have a nice game rushing, it's kind of boring. It's just it's weird that he's like the boring the most boring 100-yard rusher. And maybe maybe just because he doesn't get in the end zone for me, but, uh, yeah, just not boring. Uh, just boring, very boring. <laughs> and I never thought I would say that because I was so excited about this guy coming in the league, but uh, not hitting me hitting me up right. Um, New England, uh, we, of course, talked about that game. New England lost that game. New, I don't think Denver won. I think New England lost that game. Granted, there was some bad calls, you know, here and there, the offensive call on offensive uh, P.I. call on, on Gronk and whatnot, but late in the game, you need to be running the ball and eating that clock, and they just left too much on the table, obviously, there for the Denver Broncos. And and I think, as as New England looks has looked very mortal over the last month, I think the loss of Deion Lewis was huge for this team. Uh, he just was that X factor in this offense, and I know this isn't a guy that's been totally ingrained in this team for years. This is his only year there, but uh, they had a good thing going with him, and they they it's 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 certainly slowed this offense down. So, yeah, I just think that's 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 big, and I think that's a reason that we need to to look at them as moral now. Uh, who did who should we claim on the waiver wire this week, Nick? Uh, well, in redraft leagues, I mean, David Johnson's got to be by far the number one guy to claim with uh, Chris Johnson being injured and Andre Ellington having the turf toe. Uh, Scott Chandler, the tight end for New England, should, uh, he got a lot of looks uh, last week, and if Gronk, with Gronkowski uh, going to miss some time, I think he uh, would be a must-add. <laughs> for quarterbacks, if you're desperate, Blaine Gabbert's been over 400 yards, or went over 300 yards versus a really good Arizona secondary. And it seems like Philly has pretty much just kind of given up on uh, Chip Kelly a little bit. So they've allowed five passing touchdowns each of the last two weeks. The Flyers on their upcoming opponents, guys in New England, Buffalo, Arizona, and Washington, those could all pay off. Okay, yeah. Other other tight ends out there, I'm sure, and potentially maybe even in some dynasty leagues, um, Zach Miller and Crockett Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore's had a, had, had a couple down weeks but he is still a big part of that offense, even though he didn't show it on Monday night. I, I like him. Zach Miller, uh, he's getting more playing time with uh, Martellus Bennett a little beat up. And, he, you know, he's a he's a plug-and-play guy. He's not a guy that you want to hold on to by any means. But if you have the roster space, I, I think you should do that. Redraft, um, Clay, I, I think he's a guy that certainly has his ups and downs. And if you can get him on the right week, he could help you out there if you lost Obviously, uh, Gronk here for this week and Jimmy Graham for the rest of the season. Uh, people, people are going to be looking for tight ends. And I, and I do like Scott Chandler. Even if he doesn't come in 
and fill that Gronk role. Because let's face it, Gronk isn't. I mean, just because he's listed as a tight end doesn't mean he's a tight end. He's a receiver for this team. He doesn't even block really. But uh, with Chandler, you get the blocking, but you also get a nice a nice guy that they can look to in the red zone. Obviously, Brandon LaFell is is healthy too, and he's a, he's a nice big target that can do some vertical things in the red zone. But uh, you know, Chandler is as a guy that has done that in his, in his in the past, and he's certainly a guy that Brady will be able to to lean on there. I mean, and, and like I said, it's only only one week, but uh, yeah, it's something something that to keep in mind. Considering obviously things look really great for Gronk right now, but you got you got if you're a Gronk owner and Chandler is out there, you you might as well just put him on your roster. There's certainly something you could drop just just as insurance. Um, and you know, and if I don't know if who's exactly available in dynasty in your dynasty league, but I think if you're a if you own a Gronk own Gronk and Jimmy Graham in in dynasty, it's potential you could potentially have just been like, oh, well, I don't really need to address the tight end situation. I think I think you're all probably better than that better than that, and I think you should have been prepared for this. Um, um, I know most dynasty leagues are getting, you know, huge expanded rosters, so, you know, there's there's lottery tickets that they have to take here and there, but uh, it's, it's if you're in that situation, maybe this is something that you really need to address in the offseason. It's is depth, you know. I'm not saying everybody should have awesome tight ends on their roster, but if you have one, you certainly need to have some comparable ones. Uh, not not necessarily comparable, but somebody that you know that can do something for your team on on your bench if 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 in a pinch you know you know you got to start somebody on your bye week and you just think about that um, moving forward because dynasty owners need, certainly need to be prepared for for big injuries like this. Obviously, it's it's impossible to replace Gronk or or Jimmy Graham at this point, but uh, you you never know who could be out there. So certainly take take some chances here and there, but uh, you got you got to you got to be prepared for stuff like this, especially with the playoffs coming. Um, so let's get to some dynasty trade analysis, uh, which reminds me, I forgot to add one that happened yesterday. Let's see if I can pull that up while you talk about Stefan Diggs for a whole bunch here. Next, Stefan Diggs for Jameis Winston, Richard Rogers, and three 2016 third round picks. What do you got? Well, it, it seems a lot, especially with the three draft picks, but, you know, they are only third-rounders. And Jameis Winston, we still don't know what kind of fantasy quarterback he's going to be. It looks The future looks bright for him on the field, but that doesn't always translate to fantasy success. And Richard Rodgers, I mean, he's just kind of a guy there. It wouldn't be surprising at all if he got replaced in the offseason. So I, I don't mind giving up that much for a guy like Stephon Diggs, who it seems like the future could be really bright for him. Um, yeah, it, it it does seem like a lot, but you know, if you're giving if you're throwing three picks, you probably have a lot of picks, or you know, you you stockpiled it for some reason. And I think he's uh, certainly worth it. Um, you know, obviously the big names are Diggs and Winston in this one, and I, I do like what I see maturity wise from Winston, at least on the field, and I think. And he hasn't done anything off the field to to make me to make me question him at this point in time. So, I I, I worry about giving up on a on a on a young quarterback because uh, you know people that have lost quarterbacks here and there. It's it's nice to have a 
to have an arsenal of you know at least two guys that you can look to, maybe three depending on your league size. So, um, but you can't ha- you can never have enough young receivers. So I think it's I think it's a pretty pretty smart move getting a guy like Diggs because I I, I believe he's the real deal. It's a small sample size, but I, I'll be surprised if he just fizzles away, Cordell Patterson style. Um, and if he does, maybe there's something wrong with the Vikings developmental system. <laughs> um, the trade from yesterday. I am indirectly involved. This is from DFW36, just because I was in in on trying to give this per, one of these people a tight end. I'll, that's all I'll say. But uh, somebody gave up Keyshawn Martin, who's obviously getting a little playing time right now, but that's not a huge deal. Uh, Keyshawn Martin and the injured Jimmy Graham and a 2016 fifth-round pick and received Antonio Gates and Jordan Reed. What do you think, Nick? Um, I think this is a good move. I'm assuming the Jimmy Graham owner uh, thinks he has a chance to win this season. So you're giving up the injured guy and a couple of just, yeah, a couple of tokens there for, you know, two good solid tight ends that you can play the matchups with the rest of the year. And, you know, Jordan Reed, if he can stay healthy, is going to have a nice future. Uh, Antonio Gates, we don't know how long he'll be around for, but. I, I, I don't mind this trade, even though Jimmy Graham's a lot to give up, but he's injured. He's not, not going to help you this year. So if you're trying to win, go ahead and give him up. Yeah, I really like this. I mean, I think this I think this would be a fair trade. And this is just my personal opinion, but, if, I mean, you're giving up an injured Jimmy Graham and getting Antonio Gates, who certainly has been dinged up here and there. But I think that would be a fair trade at this point. And that certainly is the case. One of these teams is going to play off and the other. Other is not. And he's adding a player of Jimmy Graham's caliber, which which is a, a nice thing to have on your team moving forward. And, and But I think you, you did give up a lot, but you got, you got Jimmy Graham in return. So that's I think this is a pretty fair deal. And like you said, Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, he's a, he's a target – Target getter and and I and I really like him and if he continues to stay healthy he he certainly gets targets so I I like I like the move actually for both teams you gave up gave up a marquee player in Jimmy Graham who certainly looks has looked a little more comfortable in the in the system in the last couple of weeks which you know it, it it sucks but you're getting a couple of great tight ends in return uh, what do you think about Devonte Adams for Matt Jones? Um, I think it's fairly even. I mean, Matt Jones probably has the brighter future, even though if he can get his fumbling issues under control. Uh, Devontae Adams, he's dropped so many passes this year. I, it's hard for me to see Green Bay trusting him moving forward. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring somebody in in the offseason to compete for more snaps to take away from Adams. So uh, I'd probably like the side that picked up Matt Jones a little bit better, although Adams is better this, this season. Yeah, you know, I kind of – I've pounded on him, and it seems like for a while there that uh, all we talked about every week on Dynasty Trade Analysis was Devontae Adams' trade. Remember that this summer, Nick? Um, and something has just has not seemed right. He's been injured, I know, this year, but something just has not seemed right. And I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah brought it up during Thanksgiving that on Twitter that – I mean – there's clearly not a lot of trust there with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And at this point, Rodgers, you know, really has to throw to him anyway. But you, you, you just see the, you know, the disgust in his face when, uh, when, they, when, they, when he makes, you know, makes that attempt. And, 
and Adams doesn't doesn't catch the ball or is not in the exact position that he needs to be to catch the ball. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams is on the trade market. Maybe he's a draft day trade. I don't I don't know if if that's the case, but I I don't think uh, Green Bay is very happy with him. So I I love this trade because you're getting Matt Jones, who looks to be uh, the RB one in Washington next year, and I I think he's got I think he has a bright future, especially with with a young offensive line to run behind as well. And I think they are gelling nicely. They've had their ups and downs this season, but I think they're going to be a strong unit uh, moving forward. That's good news for uh, Matt Jones, owner then for you, Ritzkin there, Nick. Um, I thought we would play a little Would You Rather here in, in the midst of Dynasty Trade Analysis because I see kind of these trades uh, floated around here and there. Now, Chark Hendrickwist is injured right now, but um, – you know, if you're, if you're maybe trading for him, you're probably not necessarily uh, in the playoffs. Plus, you could be in the playoffs, playoff run right now both, for both these guys. But, Nick, would you rather trade a first-round pick next year uh, for uh, Thomas Rawls or Shark Hendrick West? Uh, to me, it would have to be for West just because we know that Jamal Charles isn't coming back, but we don't know if Marshawn Lynch might maybe come back. I mean, that situation seems pretty hard to read. Uh, if we knew for sure that Lynch was out for the rest of the year, I would go with Rawls, I think. But they're both pretty good ads for if you're uh, looking to go on a playoff run this season. Yeah. What about future-wise there, Nick? Like beyond Future-wise? This? I, I, Future-wise, I think I would go with Rawls, just because I believe Jamal Charles probably has a little bit left in the tank, more, uh, while his Marshawn Lynch could be done after this season. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree there. I think future-wise, uh, Rawls certainly looks to be a, a a bright a bright spot in that offense for the next next handful of years. Um, and uh, with West and Spencer Ware doing great things in this offense, it doesn't seem like Jamal Charles is going to be uh, hurried back, but it also seems like there could be a, a three-headed timeshare in Kansas City, especially we don't, since we don't know how how well and how fast Charles is going to come back physically from tearing, you know, his, the, the other ACL, sorry, I just want to make the point that he has torn both ACLs now and both knees, I believe. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Rawls, I think Rawls is a better ad both in both situations because from what I read and what I hear, I, I'll be really surprised if Lynch plays during the fantasy season, uh, the rest of this year. So I think Rawls is, Rawls is the, the player to add. And I, uh, spent a bunch of money on him in a, in a redraft league. So I want to really believe that, um, each and every week we do a little thing that we like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to just kind of rant about something that's uh, bothering him or on his mind um, as he sits there in, in beautiful Hawaii. Um, I I completely forgot what this rant is supposed to be about, so uh, let me have it, Nick, and I will obviously respond off the cuff. What do you got for us, buddy? So with NFL teams recently transitioning from having uh, the team's playbooks in binders to now using tablets, 
there's been some minor adjustments that have taken place. For example, I remember when reading when they first made the switch, some older, less tech-savvy veterans were forgetting to actually charge their tablets so they couldn't get into their playbook. And it's uh, probably only a matter of time before we get a hacking scandal. But another repercussion of the switch is that teams can now tell how much time you've spent uh, studying your playbook. Last week, Bill Romanowski stated that Blaine Gabbert was spending far more time studying than Colin Kaepernick, and that was a major reason for Kaepernick benching. Now, I'm not going to get into the validity of that statement or into how or why Romanowski was privy to that information, but, you know, if I worked for the union, that would be a little bit unsettling to me. You know, and I'm not faulting the teams for accepting that information. I would, too, if I were in their position. But from a player's perspective, now it's not enough to be the first guy to show up to the facilities and the last one to leave. Now I can lose my job for not working enough at home, not to mention that we all learn at different rates. You know, a player with a photographic memory probably wouldn't need as much study time as, say, I don't know if we hear Blocker Josh Gordon. Sorry, I couldn't resist a little stoner joke there. But seriously, though, if, you know, if it's in the – the collective bargaining agreement issues are negotiated down to things like how much contact coaches can have with players in the off season. I would think this ability, at the very least, would be a bargaining chip on the table in the next uh, CBA negotiation. Uh, yeah, I, I missed that story myself, but that does seem uh, seem like something uh, of interest. Um, obviously, Blaine Gabbard is doing quite well right now, and you know, I just I don't get a quarterback in Kaepernick's position doing doing that type of stuff, uh, but uh, or, you know, not following following things or taking stuff seriously. But uh, yeah, that, that could be an uh, an intriguing development, if you will. Um, yeah, I want to know how Romanowski found out about that. You know, you make jokes about him. My Romanowski's taken many pills in his day too. We'll just leave it at that. But. Uh, um, you, and you do, yeah, with all that stuff being so technologically advanced uh, nowadays, you know, where somebody's bound to uh, accidentally email it to to somebody or, a, a, you know, a teammate or an ex-teammate or, you know, you know, what if, what if they email like a, an, uh, an amendment to a playbook you know, to everybody on the offense, and then that player is, you know, the next player is cut. Yeah, you know, one of those players is cut that week or whatever. And you know, if if, if it's a Jet or Bill or you know, vice versa, <laughs> you know, Bill Bill Belichick is all about signing them, or you know, or heaven forbid, a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? It's we, we've seen tons of that in the NFL over the years. So uh, that stuff is being more readily available and it's obviously it's nice that we have that technology but yeah there's certainly certainly some some bad things that could happen and we already know that some bad things have happened surrounding some stuff like this and now it's easier to to have easier to now it's made easier to happen so uh yeah I guess we'll see. That's a that's a interesting story. I'll have to, I'll have to read up on that one. Um, IDP sit or start, Nick? You ready? Putting on the chin strap and uh, going the defensive side of the ball here for you IDP guys. Full IDP guys, we will say no. Hashtag no team D, as Bruce Kimbrough likes to say all the time. Uh, Sheldon Richardson in the Battle of New York. So. But technically, at the Giants, the, I guess it just really matters what jersey color they're wearing in this one. But uh, Sheldon Richardson at the Giants or Olivier Vernon versus the Ravens. What do you think? 
Well, I think Vernon's likely going to be a decent play, but Sheldon Richardson to me is a must start. He's had at least half a sack in five of the six games he's played this season. Plus, you look at that New York Giants interior offensive line, they're very beat up. So, you know, he's probably going to be lining up against backups sometimes. So, And you also look at uh, Vernon, has got two games this season without a tackle, so he's got a lower floor as well. So I definitely would go with Sheldon Richardson. Uh, as a Vernon owner, I actually own him in a, in a, in a number of leagues, but, uh, as a Vernon owner, I got to tell you, he's, um, he started this year absolutely terrible. And I actually even dropped him in a few, in one dynasty format. I then I had to, of course, spend some money to get him back, but, uh, he is actually coming around and with the, with the Cameron weight in injury as well. I, I like where he is at and what, and what he's doing. So, um, and, you know, the Jets' defense has certainly looked um, a little a little mortal. And I think, um, I, well, I guess basically short, long story short, I think I'd go with Vernon in this one. I think, uh, I think he just has an, has an easier, uh, going to have an easier pass to, uh, to uh, stats in this game because I think he's shown a lot over the last couple of weeks and, and done some good, good things for this uh, uh, defense there in Miami, even though they haven't uh, – haven't come out on the winning end. Uh, Christian Kirksey versus the Bengals or Derek Johnson at Oakland. What do you think, Nick? Um, I'm going to go with Derek Johnson. He's had five or more solo tackles each of the last four weeks and in six of the last seven weeks. Uh, plus, he looked the last time Cleveland and Cincinnati Matt Kirksey was held to zero tackles, something that hasn't happened to Johnson at all this year. Now, first glance, I was going to say Kirksey just because I think Cincinnati, having a lead in this game, likely they're going to run the ball more. But, you know, that zero tackle number from the game earlier this year scared me away a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Derek Johnson. Uh, well, as somebody who's attempted to uh, to own some Cleveland defenders, it is next to, and I said this a while ago too, it is next to impossible to figure out what exactly you're going to do week to week and how that rotation is going to roll. So I, w- I would love to see Kirksey's snap count that week anyway. Um, side note, when Carlos Dansby had that pick six on Sunday, I was listening to it on the radio as I was driving home in the snow, and uh, the announcers uh called it said that Kirksey intercepted the ball and then after the after he crossed the goal and they're like, Oh no, it's Carlos Stanby. So I got really excited as a Kirksey owner for a brief <laughs> moment. Uh, but uh I would I would actually still go with Kirksey. Like like you said, I think Cincinnati has a lead in this game and I think um you know considering what happened last time these two teams played and uh, didn't come out very good there for uh Cleveland, maybe they'll certainly change things up. Maybe change things up. Kirksey should get some more snaps. And um, uh, Derek Johnson has not been, you know, he's he's coming off a major injury and he's done pretty good this year. But he certainly is not a guy that's uh, gonna take over a game. And they have some young bucks behind him that they like to fill filter into the rotation as well. So I think, uh, especially with this game, that. Oakland Kansas City game being I think it's going to be a very good game and a very close game. I think I think I would certainly go with Kirksey just cuz the opportunity is going to be a little bit bigger there for him. And I'm not just saying that just to disagree with you twice in a row. Um little rookie flash here Nick on this next one. I thought this would be fun. A lot both of these guys don't play a huge um, snap count, but uh 
percentage, but uh, they do certainly have their roles in their respective defenses. So what do we think about uh, Bud Dupree versus the Colts or Preston Smith versus the Cowboys? Well, like you said, they don't get big snap counts, so I really hope you're not counting on either of these guys to lead you to the playoffs. But, you know, I, I – but I think I would go with Dupree. You know, Smith has a very, very low floor. He's got six games with one or fewer tackles, where Dupree does also have a similarly low floor, but with Ryan Shazier dinged up, I think they – I wouldn't be surprised at all if they asked a little bit more from Bud Dupree this week, so I would go with him. Um, yeah, you know, I want to I want to agree with you there, and I will. I think that's certainly the safer play, but it seems like – Every now and then, uh, Smith has had those weeks where he just he just has a couple huge plays. So he's certainly the certainly the the sexier pick within the, within these two, I think. But uh, I do I do see a little heightened uh, stuff there for uh, Dupree versus versus the Colts. So I think uh, you know this is certainly like a an LB four situation for a lot of people. But I think uh, I think Dupree is probably the way to go since he seems to be certainly. Uh, a bigger part of this defense than than Smith, even though Smith has made some big plays. Um, I just got to say, Vontae Davis. Um, last, so this next one will be Vontae Davis versus Byron Maxwell. But Vontae Davis in the last three weeks has faced Julio Jones, um, then you know Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans, and now he's going now he's going to take on Antonio Brown. Oh wow, what a, what a what a stretch there for that poor guy. But um, Byron Maxwell at New England, and uh, not a whole lot of wide receivers, or Vontae Davis versus you know Antonio Brown at Pittsburgh. What do you think there, Nick? Well, normally I would go with the Philly cornerback. Uh, I've got Maxwell, and he's been fairly reliable for me this year. And you also look, Vontae Davis is the number one cornerback on the Colts. A lot of times you want to avoid those number one cornerbacks because the quarterbacks avoid them. But, you know, I think this is the exception to the rule because unless Michael Vick is playing quarterback, you know that uh, that Pittsburgh's going to feed Antonio Brown. So that's going to lead to a lot of tackle opportunities, I think, for Vontae Davis. And, you know, if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't play, then, you know, Davis could have some interception chances off poorly throwing balls from, from the backups there, Landry Jones. So, But I, I, I heard Ben said that he's cleared. I don't know. He also said he didn't have a concussion earlier this week. So we'll wait for team, <laughs> the team to actually say that he's cleared there. But, yeah, I, I think Ben will play. But either way, I would still go with Fonte Davis, I think, especially with the fact that so many of New England's receivers are injured. Tom Brady doesn't seem to be looking the receiver's way, so that's probably going to limit the tackle, the tackle opportunities for Maxwell. Yeah, and, and not to mention even you know even if Brady does put up the ball forty times in this game, you know it's going to be to a whole lot of different wide receivers unless he get, you know gets a hot streak with one uh, one certain player. But uh, yeah, I, I like I like your your thoughts there on Davis, and uh, you know he is he is the the top corner, but he's he's guarding one of the best wide receivers in the league, so it's not like your quarterback is going to avoid him. You know he's going to go to to. Uh, Brown, who actually looked a little mortal versus the Seattle last week, which kind of surprised me. I thought that was going to be a good matchup for him. And uh, it was a fun game to watch, but I was a little surprised that Pittsburgh didn't come out on top, and I was a little surprised that uh, Brown didn't didn't have a big game. But uh, it helped me win the matchup, so I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, 
now it is time for our uh, Dynasty Dilemma. Um, we do this every week where we pit a couple players against each other. Um, this week we kind of took a hold of the uh, injured quarterback theory. Um, so not, you know, not for you guys right right now making the playoffs, but this is obviously a dynasty show and we like to we like to always be looking forward, even though we're looking talking about some older quarterbacks, but we picked uh, Tony Romo versus Joe Flacco. So uh, Nick had the chance to go first, so Nick will hit you up right after the music here. It's time for Dynasty Trade Analysis. that wrong wrong clip we are not doing dynasty trade analysis this is the dynasty dilemma joe flacco versus tony <laughs> robo nick what do you got for us well josh i'm sorry if by picking first i kind of stole your thunder a little bit i know you've always been a little bit more wacko for flacco than i have been but if you're asking me to choose between him and a cowboys quarterback older than the marlboro man i gotta go with joe flacco <clears throat> Tony Romo is going to be 36 years old next year, and he hasn't played 16 games in a season since 2012. Plus, he's had injuries before that. Now, you look at Dallas at 3-8, and eight, and they're winless without Tony Romo this year. They're most likely going to have a high draft pick, if not the number one pick overall. And if there's a quarterback that Jerry Jones is in love with, either in the first or early in the second round, it's possible, maybe even likely, that Dallas decides to move on from the aging quarterback. You know, I don't care what Jerry Jones says now that he's Romo can play till his 40. Jerry Jones earlier this year also said that Brandon Whedon threw the best pass, prettiest passes he had ever seen. So that, don't put a whole lot of stock into what Jerry says. Now, even if they don't release Tony Romo, he could be made the backup there in Dallas. And if he is released, I can't see another team trusting him to stay healthy enough to be made their 100% starter. And while Joe Flacco is hurt now, it's the first major injury he suffered in the NFL. So while it's safe to call Romo injury-prone at this point, this could very easily be just a fluke injury for Joe Flacco. Uh, Flacco is also about five years younger than Romo and should be the starter in Baltimore for another, I don't know, four to seven seasons. Uh, Flacco will probably never be a top-five fantasy quarterback, but he's been remarkably consistent over 3,800 yards each of the last three seasons, and he's accounted for 74 touchdowns in that span. The biggest knock on Flacco to me is his lack of quality receivers, but he will have Brashard Perryman back and still developing Max Williams to work with. And the Ravens are bad this year, but there are a handful of organizations that even when they have a down year, they have such a good track record of success, you can be fairly confident that they're going to bounce back. And I believe General Manager Ozzie Newsom will have the Ravens competitive again sooner rather than later, and part of that will be adding quality weapons for Flacco to work with. But to me, this decision was an easy one. Give me Flacco all the way. Josh? Well, I was hoping that I would back you into a corner where you were having to choose the Dallas Cowboy, but of course I should have known better. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's 
Uh, and I do realize for people out to listen, this isn't the most exciting dilemma at this point in time. And uh, kind of the overwhelming majority I got from some of the guys here at EFW was all Romo by a mile. So I'm just like, I got this, man. I could t- take Nick down in this one. But uh, let's look at it here. These guys are very similar quarterbacks. Uh, from their mediocre rise from small school obscurity to their constant struggle for uh, for deserved accolades, Um. They're just very simple. Now, I'm about to say something that will probably make Nick vomit his morning coffee down his short, swearing legs. I don't know if many can truly understand the pressure of being the Dallas Cowboy quarterback. In fact, I don't think even half the quarterback, veteran quarterbacks in the NFL could handle it. While Roma does have the luxury of Des Bryant and he's had Jason Witten as his wingman for this long tenure, it's still a pretty thankless job. One would think that Romo has led the NFL in interceptions for a decade as much as people pound on him. Uh, Romo, you know, this, and that's maybe just more of the public perception as opposed to the, you know, the dynasty, the fantasy football perception, because I think some of us and most of you probably listening uh, know better, unless you're just Dallas, a couple of haters, of course. Um, uh, Romo has led the league in interceptions once. That number he threw that year was 19, uh, but coincidentally he also threw a career high 648 times for the eight and eight Cowboys that season in 2012. Uh, but he did offset the 19 interceptions with 28 TD passes. Um, you know, one thing lost in, with Romo, besides the small sample size of of this season where he's thrown five TDs and seven interceptions, he has thrown more TD passes than interceptions in almost every single year, like at least five more touchdown passes than interceptions in almost every single season. And uh, sure, he has thrown some interceptions in some big moments. Uh, I grant you that, but he is far from the GOAT that most most of the haters proclaim him to be. Uh, rather, he is very much the reason the Cowboys have remained competitive in this the, this the post-Quincy Carter slash Drew Bledsoe era. Uh, now, the obvious gap between these two is, um, is age. Uh, I say the five years that Romo has on Flacco is simply an experienced through failure advantage. Flacco has his title thanks to a raucous defense, but Romo still remains hungry in spite of it all. And I do honestly believe that he has three to four seasons of production left in him. I think things are a little crazy thick in Dallas will go from him. Um, we know Jerry says some stupid things, but I think somebody has – Mute, the mute button on Jerry during the draft the last couple of years because the Dallas Cowboys, besides not drafting the running back last year, have been making some very good decisions this off season, or most off seasons and in the present anyway. Um, but uh, meanwhile, you know, I do, like I said, I honestly believe that Romo's got three to four seasons left. Meanwhile, I think the Ravens, where they, yes, they've had just a down year. I think they're going to be in rebuild mode because I don't think they want this, a year like this to happen again. And so they, they during Romo's awesome next three to four years, I think they're going to be rebuilding this franchise and stacking the depth. Uh, Steve Smith is a maybe for next year, but he's yet to RSVP to the 2016 season. Even, even with Steve Smith, what's left after him? I mean, Yes, Perryman is, you know, a lottery ticket amongst a, a hand a bucket full of lottery tickets. And Kamar Aiken is maturing, but let's face it, he's not a wide receiver one. Um 
and, and, and Perryman is very intriguing, but we just don't know. You know, he's, he, he seems to be all speed. That is the big knock on him. We just don't know what he's going to be able to put, bring to the table. He, he, and he is far from a, a Des Bryant. You know, there's not a Des Bryant left on this Ravens team. There's not even a Terrence Williams, I don't think, left on this team unless, unless Perryman proves otherwise next year. I just, I, I'm really concerned about the Ravens' uh, future in the short. Maybe not the long-term effect, but in the short. Uh, and I think Tony Romo and those Cowboys are built to win now, even if it's not going to happen this season. I think they'll make smart moves again this off season, and I think they'll they'll be back and and let's face it, a, a division that's going to be easy, easy to grab a hold of if you get a couple one or two impact players. And I think the Ravens just are a little further behind that. Nick, any rebuttal? Well, I will say that I'll agree with you. If Romo plays another four seasons and you're counting on him to be your every week starter, I think he probably does offer more upside than does Joe Flacco. But in most leagues, I don't think people are looking at these guys as their starter. I think they're looking at them as just depth and their backup quarterback, bi-week plug-in type of situation. And for that, I want a guy who I can count on to be healthy. And I just don't feel like I can count on Tony Romo to stay healthy, whereas Joe Flacco, like I said, this is his first major injury. I, you know, he's a guy I have more more faith in to to be there for the you know one, two, or three weeks of season that I need him. Yeah, I do love do love me some Flacco, but <laughs> the the team that I own him on, I I uh, like I said, I have a couple teams. The team I own him on, he was actually my best. It was a dynasty team. He was actually my highest scoring player at the time he got injured. He probably still is now that I look that. So, yeah, I think I had the first pick in that in that league next year. There, Nick. Uh, but um, <laughs> let's get to some offensive sin and stardom. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, Thursday night game. I love doing these quarterbacks on Thursday. And Aaron Rodgers at Detroit, looking for a little redemption or Matthew Stafford versus the Packers. What do we think about these two uh, two guys going against each other? Well, it's really tempting to go with Stafford. Uh, the Lions are red hot right now, and Devontae Adams is, you know, he's going to be good for about four or five drops again. But this just feels like a trap. I, I can't sit Aaron Rodgers. This has got to be one of those sit, don't sit your studs arguments, right? Yeah, but, you know, if you're in the first round of the playoffs or looking to make the playoffs this year or this week, solidify your spot or whatnot. I think it's okay to gamble. We kind of addressed that a little bit in the question and answer coming up here on Saturday. Um, I think it's okay to gamble. It seems ludicrous to uh, to bench Aaron Rodgers. I think he has given us reasons here and there to, to do so. And, uh, you know, Darius Slay, I think I heard his dad, and Darius Slay has given up like 15 yards over the last month. Uh, and he's their top corner. You know, he's going to be locked on on uh, Randall Cobb, and we've already discussed Devontae Adams. Maybe he's the next uh, Darius Haywood Bay at this point. Maybe that's not – maybe that's going too far, but I went there anyway. So um, it'll be interesting to see the game plan. The, the advantage and the fun thing about this is that it's a division game, and these teams have already matched up against each other, and it's not like – Detroit blew these guys out of the water, and Stafford had these awesome, huge numbers last time they played. Uh, but, you know, both of these teams are obviously doing their homework. Um, I, I was very impressed by what Green Bay's defense did against Minnesota, and they got a huge win in that game. Uh, we'll see what they have in store for uh, 
Detroit, but I think Detroit does have a better offensive line. So uh, I say gamble and go with Stafford, just because I just think you got to. You know, we talk about this all the, all the time when we do ATS picks. Roll with the hotter team. Um, you know, we always say start your studs, but sometimes you know a player emerges. You know, I I bring it up again in the question and answer this week, but there was a there was a year that I started some guy named Montel Williams in the or excuse me Montel Owens in the first round of my playoffs. Um, if you remember that guy, <laughs> good for you. And then I, you know, right after that, I dropped him. Uh, but uh, yeah, he actually helped me win a game. So it's, I think it's okay to gamble in, in these situations. You know, start your studs to get to get to the playoffs. Uh, but uh, I think it's okay to gamble. So I would go Stafford. Long story short, um, remember like three week three weeks ago before Detroit won in this one, wasn't Matthew Stafford like you know? going to be caught in soft season. You know, he was the worst quarterback in history. You know, he was worse than Scott Mitchell. And now, uh, now here we are comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Lamar um, Miller versus the Ravens or D'Angelo Williams versus the Colts. Now, I wrote this before the Dolphins fired their offensive coordinators, so that does bring a little intrigue to this. What do you think there, Nick? Well, I'm going to go with Lamar Miller. You mentioned the Miami fired offense coordinator, Bill Lazor. I think a big reason why was his play calling last week. 58 passes by Ryan Tannehill to only five carries for Lamar Miller. That's ridiculous. When Miami gives Miller the ball, they do well. And I think they should be able to beat Baltimore. Um, You know, on Pittsburgh's side, if Ben plays, if Ben Roethlisberger plays, they may throw, throw every down. If he doesn't play, they might struggle to move the ball. So, you know, it's a little more risky, I think, with D'Angelo Williams, whereas Miami, when they are determined to win a game, which I think they will be this week, they give the ball to Lamar Miller. Yeah, and they can certainly use the win after the the last couple weeks. Um, And, you know, like I talked about at the top of the show, with DeAndre Hopkins facing the worst secondary in the league a couple of weeks ago, D'Angelo Williams went up against the Cleveland Browns, who were the worst team against the run. And he, at midway through the third quarter, he had like eight carries for nine yards. And then he busted out a, a, a long one in the fourth quarter, and I think he ended up scoring a touchdown. But just because it looks like a slam dunk, it doesn't – I mean, and obviously you got to play smart and play the matchup, but uh, that doesn't always mean it's going to happen. So I, I like what you said there about Lamar Miller, Nick, and I would certainly lean – Lean in that camp too, just because. Um, yeah, just because I, I, I think you're smart. I think the people taking over in the uh, in the Dolphins will realize what what kind of player they have in Lamar Miller, and this is certainly a winnable game versus a very poor Ravens team at the present. So, Lamar Miller, it is Vincent Jackson versus the Falcons, or Amari Cooper versus uh, Marcus Peters and the Chiefs. What do you think, there, Nick? I'll take Amari Cooper. The Kansas City defense, they're pretty good, but elite wide receivers can have success. Look no further than last week, Sammy Watkins getting 158 yards and two scores. So, you know, after a small slump, uh, Cooper got back on track last week with seven catches for 115 yards. Uh, David Carr went uh, about for 330 yards last week. Vince Jackson, he's, at, he's just too inconsistent, I think, to play over a guy like Amari Cooper, who, who has been pretty pretty good week to week this year. Yeah, and Vincent Jackson always has some weird injuries here and there, too. Um, and like I said at the beginning of this segment, Darius Slay, you know, who was covering Amari Cooper when he had one catch for four yards, yeah, it was Darius Slay, so don't start Randall Cobb either. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I like Amari Cooper. What a great rookie matchup we get this late in the season. He can go up against uh, uh, Marcus Peters, but I think uh, I know Oakland is going to really try to set a precedent with their running game moving forward. But I think uh, I think Cooper Cooper with some shots downfield, especially now that there's maybe a little a little more of a mention about Seth Roberts in the in the uh in the meetings this week with the Kansas City uh defensive team since he had a, a nice game last week. Not that they're not gonna totally disrespect and not guard Cooper, obviously that's not gonna be the case, but I just think he's got that big play potential and I think he's more of a, a mature player than Marcus Peters and I think he's gonna turn him around a few times. Uh what do we think about a this is kind of fun to do it on the same team. That's why I throw these in there every now and then. But uh, And it really is just flipping a quarter. What do you think about Brandon Marshall or Eric Decker versus the Giants this week, Mick? Uh, Brandon Marshall. I mean, nine times out of ten, I would say Brandon Marshall just because I think he's the superior player to Eric Decker. No no slight to Eric Decker. He's a great receiver in his own right, but Brandon Marshall's better. You know, unless they're facing a team with a true shutdown corner like Josh Norman in Carolina – or or the guy in Detroit there that we've been talking about, I would take Marshall. You know, I, I just don't think any Giants defenders are in that category as far as being a true number one shutdown guy. So, Brandon Marshall. Yeah, this Giants defense is not, not looking good at this point in time. And I find myself when I'm watching their games like, who's that? Who's that guy that made the tackle? Housley? Dahl? I mean, who are these guys? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, it could be one of those things, too, where Brandon Marshall has seven catches for 100 yards and Decker's got three catches for 20 yards and two touchdowns. You, you just don't know, but uh, I think uh, I think you're right there. There's no, no shutdown corner there to speak of for, for NYG, so I think I think you got to go. Got to go Marshall. Um, Crockett Gilmore at Miami or Julius Thomas, who is apparently alive now in Jacksonville after a big week last week. Julius Thomas at Tennessee. Crockett Gilmore at Miami or Julius Thomas at Tennessee. What do you think, well, yeah, Julius Thomas uh, coming off a nine catch for 116 yards in a touchdown game against San Diego last week. Seems like Thomas and Blake Bortles are finally starting to get on the same page. Uh, also, with Alan Hearns being uh, injured with that concussion, uh, it wouldn't be surprised to see Thomas get even more looks than normal this week. Since he gave up 330 yards to the air last week to Oakland. Not a lot of that went to tight ends, but you know I wouldn't worry about that too much because it doesn't seem like the Raider offense has been featuring their tight ends a whole lot this year. So I would I would feel safe in going with Julius Thomas. I feel like all fantasy, or especially in one in one league, I get I get caught up in the player that did awesome that week, and then I start him over over somebody just because they were awesome that week, and then I and then I completely miss it, and then the whole thing just flips. So I'm gonna go, based on that theory, I'm gonna go with Crack and Gilmore. I, I actually respect the uh, and I hear what you're saying about Hearns being out and him possibly seeing more looks, but I think I think Tennessee's got a got a nice linebacking core that they could maybe um and of course Griffin over top too. I think that they can maybe control uh control the uh the looks that Thomas gets in this game. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go across Gilmore. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we get a goal line touchdown or a couple of goal line touchdowns about him in this game. Just because I think you're gonna see an increased role in there. Uh and Matt Schaub's gonna be a little more restrained after Another pick six on Monday night, as he so likes to do so often. Um, yeah. 
let's get to some prospect profiles. Now, this is something that we're hopefully going to be doing uh, more and more as the, the fantasy season winds down and we get to we get on to uh, the Mike Mayock season, as they like to say sometimes in the NFL Network. Um, I want to talk about a couple wide receivers. Um, conference, uh, not conference, you say, American Athletic, I can't remember. They change them around so much. Don't fault me for that. Uh, Mikhail McKay, wide receiver, Cincinnati. Um, 6'4", 210, uh, former Arkansas transfer. Uh, senior stats suffered just a little bit due to missing some games with minor injuries, but uh, very very excellent um, leaper and, uh, and and high pointer. Uh, he's just a, a dynamic player. He reminds me of a of a more athletic version of a guy like Miles Thomas, Miles excuse me, Miles Austin or Dwayne Bowe type. Just a more athletic version of those two guys. Uh, probably B solid B hands with a wide receiver two upside. Um, down year down year could cause him to. F- Slipped to maybe fifth or sixth round, uh, but you know last year the same thing happened to uh, Stephon Diggs. And uh, if you look at the history that McHale McKay has had, he certainly has a history much like Diggs. I'm not saying he is the next Diggs, but uh, certainly something to uh, to consider. I could see a guy, a team like New England making him a star, obviously with Tom Brady, or you know have him start out as like a wide receiver three or four in a place like San Diego or. Detroit. So that's uh, Mikhail McKay, wide receiver, Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, Alonzo Russell is my, the other guy I wanted to mention. Um, now, I threw in Mikhail McKay just because not a lot of people seem to know about Alonzo Russell, but I, I, I still want to mention him here. I just really like what I see on tape from this guy. Um, kind of, the, He's been kind of in the same – he kind of had the same situation that McKay had in the fact that – he didn't miss a whole lot of games this year, but they had kind of a bad quarterback situation. So he had great, uh, great numbers before this year, and he's kind of having a down year right now, which means that he could maybe go undrafted. But uh, uh, Michael, excuse me, Alonzo Russell, wide receiver, Toledo, uh, 6'4", 195, compares size and speed wise to uh, Josh Gordon. Although I don't think he as is an aggressive player as Gordon, but he's also probably not. Dumb as Josh Gordon um, uh, has wicked. It looks looks wicked fast versus the Mac competition at the very least. I do not have an official forty time, but I will not be surprised if it's if it's a very good one when a combine season comes or if he gets that opportunity or a pro day or whatnot. Uh, uses his links to out finesse defenders. Uh, just a really smooth player, and you know, kind of know. I'll harken back to a little bit to. Um, watching DeAnthony Thomas on film for the Ducks. You know, it's it's been said a lot, but it looks like when he's running that his legs are going fast forward and everybody else is in regular motion. I see that same thing with Russell, but he, the thing is, this guy is 6'4", so when his legs are going fast like that, he's striding a lot more. So I, I really like what I what I see out of him, and I, his his legs just look so fast on film. And maybe, maybe it is the competition uh, that that's skewing that just a little bit, but I and I really like it. Um, uh, our good buddy over at uh, Draft Utopia, Chris Caffeine Ransom, believes that he could uh, be a day three steal or an undrafted free agent, and I and I totally agree with Chris. I think he could be a uh, excuse me. I think he could be a, a, a diamond in the rough, certainly. So that's uh, Alonzo Russell, wide receiver. 
Toledo, 6'4", 195, the Toledo Rockets. I'm a big guy remembering uh, college mascots, and I did, just did not come to me until the very end there. So keep your eyes out. So not kind of some deep guys in the in the league, but, you know, if you were fortunate enough to draft, like I said earlier, a guy like Stefan Diggs, uh, you're reaping those benefits. So, you know, t- and obviously everybody's taking lottery ticks, taking chances at those late points of your rookie draft. But to watch these guys and where they end up. Mikhail McKay, Cincinnati, and Alonzo Russell, uh, Toledo. So, uh, uh, sorry. Let's move on to uh, best number 29. What do you got for us, Nick? Well, you look at guys like uh, DeMarco Murray, Earl Thomas, and the Cannabis Survivor, Eric Berry. They're among the top current players. But since their stories are still being written, I'm going to stick to the former players here. Sam Madison had uh, 15 interceptions his first two years as a full-time starter in Miami. Ended up going to four straight Pro Bowls for the Dolphins from 99 through 2002. Albert Lewis also went to four consecutive Pro Bowls with Kansas City in 1987 through 1990. Uh, Lewis played 11 seasons with the Chiefs before joining the Raiders for his final five years. Now, in Cleveland, before there was Joe Hayden, there was Hanford Dixon, his two-time All-Pro, one of the best players on the Cleveland defense that made five straight playoff appearances from 1985 through 1989. Those were uh, Dixon's five final years. Uh, Harold Jackson was a 12th-round pick by the Rams in 1968 played in two games without a catch as a rookie. In his second year, he went to Philly, where all he did was lead the league with over 1,100 receiving yards. His uh, over 10,000 receiving yards ranks him in the top 40 of all time. 76 receiving touchdowns is in the top 30 of all time. Uh, after four years in Philly, he returned to the Rams for five years, and he also spent time with New England, Minnesota, and Seattle, and went to five Pro Bowls. Now, we probably mentioned Ken Houston during the number 27 segment, but he did go to five of his 12 Pro Bowls while wearing the number 29 in Houston before moving on to Washington and switching to number 27 in 1973. Ken Houston retired after the 1980 season and went to the Hall of Fame in 1986. Now, some of our numbers can be debatable, like take number three. Which more is more impressive, Jan Senerud, the only kicker in the Hall of Fame, or Mark Mosley winning the NFL MVP as a kicker? But, you know, the number 29 is not a debatable one. It's a no-brainer. At six foot three and with a very upright running style, Eric Dickerson, the guy with the goggles, was one of the more unique runners uh, we've seen in the last 30 years and was remarkably durable throughout, uh, throughout his 20s, despite leading the NFL in carries in three seasons, plus another two years over 300 carries. As the number two overall pick in the 1983 draft, it would be tough to live up to that, given some of the quarterbacks who went after him. But Dickerson led the NFL in rushing three of his first four seasons, including 2,100 yards in 1984. And uh, he went over 1,200 yards every year from 1983 through 1989. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, a five-time All-Pro, uh, over 13,000 rushing yards. That's good for seventh all-time. 90 rushing touchdowns. That's 12th of all-time. Uh, not sure how he's affaired today now that fumbles are considered a mortal sin. He had 27 fumbles just in his first two years. Uh, he had five seasons with 10 or more fumbles, 78 fumbles in his career. And, you know, you've got to be really good to put the ball on the ground that much and still get the kind of volume that he got. Eric Dickerson's the best number 29 of all time. Yeah, who knows if Dickerson played for uh, Bill Belichick. He might not have uh, been a Hall of Famer. But, yeah, totally agree. I mean, he – him and like kind of similar to Roger Craig, he had that uh, 
upright running style, but they had kind of like that high stepping legs too. I mean, I you watch film on Dickerson and you just like, how do people tackle him? I mean, he it seems like a big target since he's six three, but man, he was just so electrifying and he was such a fun player to watch. I I couldn't agree with you more. Eric Dickerson has to be the best. Uh, best number twenty nine guy with the goggles. Also love his face mask during that. Back in the day, he seemed to be the, the first one that kind of wore that style, so I thought that was always cool. Uh, but, yes, give it to the man of the goggles, Eric Dickerson. Now, let's patch Mr. Chuck Podeski through here as we get to some ATS picks. Chuck, are you there? Good morning, guys. Uh it's morning here still. Good afternoon to you, to everybody across the U.S. I hope your uh, your coffee's hot and your sidewalk is cleared. <laughs> uh, coffee sounds like a great idea, actually. Um, how was your Thanksgiving there, sir? Thanksgiving? Um, ate a lot. Didn't uh, take home too many leftovers. Um what else? I guess it's uh, it's kind of a memory, except that the Bears won, so you know that made it a great Thanksgiving. Well, that's because we all picked them, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That was our that was our one sweep. That uh, actually, that was one of two. We were two and two on sweeps last week, if I'm not mistaken. We uh, we had the Bears and we won. We had the Saints and we lost. Uh, we had the Chiefs and we won that one. And uh, we lost on the Steelers on that. Uh, <clears throat> I guess you'd call that a bad beat on the Steelers, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and it might seem a little self-righteous, but I do, I do listen to our podcast every week after we do it, just just to critique myself and just try to see how I can get better. And um, I say the words you know a lot, and I I try to count that when I go back to and listen, but. Uh, Long story short, I didn't get to the end of this one until after the Sunday games, and I was listening to us pick that Saints game, thinking, oh, my God, what were we thinking? <laughs> we were all about the Saints in that game, every single one of us. And Yeah, we, uh, yeah seriously. We um, <laughs> well, they ran into a hot team, and you know they're – you know, I was uh, under the impression that the Saints would be good on artificial turf um, away from home, and apparently the only place they can win is Indianapolis, so – um, no, you know, <clears throat> it was it was really a bad beat on that uh, on that Seahawks game. I mean, when you when you think about it, if you lose when you're going against the Seahawks on like an 80 yard touchdown pass in the last minute by the Seahawks, that's really a bad beat because the Seahawks aren't known for for uh, for long pass plays. Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, Doug Baldwin's not known for being the number one fantasy receiver in a week's time. <laughs> yeah, strange how those weeks go. Uh, in my own picks, I was 8-8, eight and eight, which doesn't sound too great, but it's uh, but it's much better than I did the week before. So we'll, we'll take uh, we'll take uh, the positivity anywhere we can get it. Okay. Well, not to one-up you, but I, I managed a 9-7 and seven last week there. So uh, That's nice. Uh, Very nice. Let's, and you know when uh, people consider you... these are these are picks against the spread and not just the winners of the games, I you know it's not bad. Especially considering we make the picks on a Wednesday. Um, Actually, last week it was played. Tuesday. Oh my God! Yeah, remember? And I couldn't remember the home who was home and who was away in any game. Um, <laughs> you know what? I have to I have to confess something to you, Josh. Uh, last week uh, on the show, I picked Baltimore. 
in the uh, Monday night game, and then in my uh, in my column, Chuck's choices, <laughs> I turned it around and I took the Browns. And you have to admit the Browns should have won that game by three, by all rights, or at least go into overtime and uh, and look what happened. Yeah. Will Hill stepped out of bounds and then scored a touchdown. Um, but we'll leave that up to Dean Blandino and company. A uh, couple teams that played on Thanksgiving are back on Thursday night as Green Bay looking for a little redemption, as I said earlier, at Detroit. What do you got for us, Chuck? Uh, the uh, Packers are favored by three in this game. Isn't this strange? Uh, two teams playing on a Thursday and then playing on the next Thursday again. Yeah, and then they get a nice a nice long break. Uh, seems it seems it seems like the Bears and Vikings fans should be pissed off about this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I don't like it, but I'm going to go with the Packers. And if they lose this game, I may not pick them again this year. But I I just have to figure that they uh, get a little bit of revenge and can at least they're not going to get swept by the Lions, right? Uh, Man, I don't know. The Lions are hot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Lions just because I think you got to go with the hotter team. And you know, it it seemed even though we all took the Bears last week, it seemed like uh, Rodgers was gonna dispatch them. Uh, uh, we just didn't like the uh, the spread in that game at all. So uh, but I'm, I gotta I gotta go with Detroit. I think they're just the hotter team, and they certainly proved it on Thanksgiving as they steamrolled the Eagles. Chuck, what do you think? Yeah, um, I was uh, I was all set to pick the Packers, you know, big uh, revenge game and everything like that. Uh, the you know I, I even looked to see how Green Bay did on artificial turf and uh, or rather uh, Aaron Rodgers. He's not uh, he's significantly worse when he plays <clears throat> on artificial turf. And like you said, Josh, the Lions are just playing better. The, the Packers. A lot of people don't realize the Packers are one and four in their last five games, and the Lions are three and two. <clears throat> in their last five games, and they're four and two in their last six. They're playing good football. I don't think their win at Green Bay was that was when their streak started. I don't think that was a uh, an accident. And when you uh, get a home team who's who's on a streak like that against a team that's that's on a, a streak where they're playing badly, uh, you got to take a home team plus three. It just it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their win against the Packers maybe seemed like an accident at the time, but I think they since then they have certainly proved otherwise. Um, remember how Brett Favre couldn't play an artificial turf either? Wow, jeez, I thought Aaron was better than that. But anyway, uh, well, he, not he's not horrible. He's just significantly no. worse, and, and and it may have something to do with the fact that it's away from Lambeau Field. But uh, there, there's there's uh, there's no advantage to taking uh, Rogers, you know, away from home on artificial turf. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we think about Houston at Buffalo? Well, if you uh, let's see, I got to find it here. Texans are at the Bills, and the Bills are uh, well. We started off with two three-point favorites. The Bills are favored by three in this game. I, I like Houston. I, I, I got to take the uh, the hotter team angle. This uh, this defense is gelling, and and this Buffalo offense is not not always clicking like they should every every single week. And 
God, I, I usually pound Buffalo being an awesome home team in this one, and, and that, that still certainly comes into play here. But i I got to go with Houston. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I think Houston's won four games in a row or something like that. Uh, and, yeah, Buffalo, like you mentioned, they're not playing as good as they were. Carlos Williams, his red-hot touchdown streaks come to an end now. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with Houston. I just think they're playing better football right now. You know, I actually on this game I looked for a reason to uh, to take the Bills. I was, you know, I, I was dead set on taking the Bills, and then I kept looking into things. And the Texans are better in every respect of the, of their game. And I think that uh, they're they they got uh, Hoyer clicking with uh, with his team, uh, especially DeAndre Hopkins. Um, the Bills. I don't know if if they weren't the Texans and the Bills, I don't think the Bills would be favored by three. You know, when you look at these teams, and um, I just, you know, I I had to take the Texans. I mean, I was I was trying to pick the Bills, and, and I couldn't. So we're going to sweep this one. Okay, and you know, maybe the Bills are favored in this because it's in Buffalo, and you know the 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 drastic temperature difference this, this this game could be if it was in Houston, obviously inside, but uh, we don't know. The Texans aren't necessarily known for being an outdoor, outdoor team that can play in the snow. We know J.J. Watt is from Wisconsin, but uh, maybe maybe that's why they're getting a little bit of advantage in this one. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking, taking the bills, but I think if I had to put money on it, I'd certainly go with – Houston in this one. Well, uh, and, what do you and got? If, you're, if you're if you're if you're taking Houston in this one, Josh, um, Sunday is supposed to be 49 degrees and sunny. Uh, excuse well, me, partly go. cloudy in Buffalo. Yeah, it should be it should be okay. Weather should be fine. Okay, so Texans plus three. Weather should be fine. You heard it here first. Uh, your Bears, Chuck, hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Blaine Gabbert and company. What do you got? Yeah, if you want to take the Bears, you have to give up seven points in this game. Well, it's your team. Go ahead and pick them. <laughs> Let me get my notes out here on this one. Chicago, San Francisco, Chicago. The Bears are 3-3 three and three in their last six, but their losses have been by three three and two points, a total of eight points in their three losses. They, I mean, My point here is that they could easily – have won six in a row, or maybe four or five out of the last six. San Francisco, here's here's what San Francisco has done on their road this year, even though I picked them last week uh, and they came through for me, but San Francisco's road losses have been lost by 25 points, 40 points, 3 points, 21 points, and 16 points. They've lost their uh, their road games this year by an average of 21 points. Uh, the Bears are a hot team. And you know when you're when you're on a streak like this, you can't afford to lose games that you should win. So, I'm going to take the Bears and hope they come out by more than seven. How many of those games have has Blaine Gabbert lost? I think only one of them on the road. So, <laughs> okay. Um, Good point, Nick. I got your point, Nick. What do you what do you think there, buddy? Well, at first I thought that was too many points, uh, seven points, but, Chuck, your argument completely swayed me the other direction, to be completely honest. So I'm going to go with Chicago also. Okay. And besides Chicago, well, Chicago is 3-3 three and three in their last, like Chuck brought up. Besides 
absolutely demolishing the St. Louis Rams on the road. Um, Chicago is a better team on the road, which is really strange. Uh, but uh, their their last couple wins have been by four and three points. So um, I I think that's just too many points. I'm going to take uh, the 49ers just because, like I said, the Bears are a weird team where they don't they don't play as well at home as they do on the road for some reason. That's maybe Jay Cutler feels less pressure on the road. I don't, I, I don't know. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the 49ers plus the seven points. Gotcha. Um, ooh, Battle of Ohio, Cincinnati at Cleveland. What do you got for us, Chuck? Well, the Bengals, let me check this one just real quick. Yeah, the Bengals are still nine-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, even though, ooh. you know, I mean, if if, if if Johnny Football was starting, it would probably only be eight-and-a-half points. But <laughs> you got to go with Austin Davis. <laughs> yeah, nine-and-a-half-point spread on the road for the Bengals. Um, it seems too easy to take Cincinnati, and you're getting a home team dog plus nine and a half. And I know it's the Cleveland Browns, but uh, is you know they're Cleveland is also causing the Cincinnati defensive coaches to watch Austin Davis St. Louis film right now. So why not give me the Cleveland Browns? Home team dog plus nine and a half. I like it. Nick, what do you think? Uh, there's no way I'm taking Cleveland in this game. Cincinnati has nine and two against the two and eighteen. Yeah, they should easily win this by fourteen points, if not forty points. Uh, Bengals all the way. I have to admit, uh, Nick, there is good reason to take the uh, to take the Bengals in this game. Um, first, first of all, you know I think oh, it's a division game. Both teams are in a, in Ohio. Um, you know, wow, what a what a bloody battle! But as a matter of fact, seven of the last eight games be, between these two teams have been decided by ten or more points. Nonetheless, hard for me to take a uh, nine and a half point favorite. On the road, and the Bengals really are, uh, you know, they're they're in charge there. I think the Browns have something to prove, and I just think that they're going to be gritty enough to uh, to maybe get a uh, to maybe get a backdoor cover on this game. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns along with Josh. Mm-hmm. And it's a and I don't feel good about game. It. Yeah, uh, I don't feel great about it, but I. I don't know. It is a division game, and these two teams have played each other. You know, not only this year, but very recently. So I just, I think Cleveland's going to have a different game plan. Obviously, a different quarterback as well. So, um, Tennessee hosting the Jacksonville Jags. Titans are uh, two and a half. How does a two-win team? favored this late in the season. Well, I guess they are at home. Um, but uh, I, I got I to take Jacksonville. Just, I, I know they they laid down and let San Diego beat them, beat them up last week, but I, I think they bounce back in this one and uh, and handle things, especially inter, interdivision-wise. And you're going to give me a couple points against a, a couple points to play with against a two-win team. I mean, they're favored by more than win, but the more wins they have, uh, more points than the wins they have. So, I'll take uh, I'll take Jacksonville plus the points in this one. Nick, what do you think? 
I'm going to go the other way. I mean, I've been impressed with Jacksonville and what they've done this year, but I think they're still – they lack that killer instinct to really close opponents out. Uh, and Tennessee, they seem like better than a two-win team to me. So I think they, they get their third win of the year, especially playing at home this year – or this week. You know, it is, it's interesting in this game, but uh, both of Tennessee's wins have come on the road at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans. Uh, I don't know what's what the deal is with them uh when they play at home but um they do play they play well at home but not quite well enough to win you remember last week they could have uh, they had a chance of beating the uh beating the raiders and against the panthers well that was the panthers game okay the uh they uh lost to the falcons remember the falcons were undefeated and uh and then lost the game and came into tennessee and tennessee gave them a great game they lost to the buffalo bills by only one point at home uh they lost to the colts by only two when andrew luck was their quarterback and they were leading for much of that game so um i I still have faith in the titans at home i guess is the bottom line with the reason i'm telling you all that so uh i'm going to take the titans minus two and a half just because uh when when something looks fishy like uh, like that like you said josh you've got a team that's only won two teams and they're favored by or two games, and they're favored by two and a half points. So um, it just looks strange enough that I'm going to go the other way and take the Titans. Okay. Um, the Titans? I thought you were going to take Jacksonville after all that. Okay. No, no, um, well, I, I just – it just looks too fishy. So, uh, you know, I'm I, I, no scientific reason, just a gut feeling on this one, the Titans. All right. You flipped a quarter, right? You flipped a quarter when I was talking. I think that's what yeah. happens. Uh, that's my secret. Uh, Arizona at the team that Chuck loves to talk about, the St. Louis Rams. Chuck, what do you got for us? <laughs> Cardinals are favored by five and a half points in St. Louis. Oh, man. I... I, I I'm going to take St. Louis in this game, and I don't, I don't feel great about it. I just think Again, over a field goal, dog at home, division game, blah blah blah. I, I got smart money says says you got to take the home team in this one. So that's that's what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to X's and O's about it or anything. Or John Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, this. Uh, I'm going to say give me Todd Gurley plus five and a half in those St. Louis Rams because you know he's going to get more than nine carries this week. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think I'm a little bit worried about St. Louis giving up on their coach the way it seems to have happened in Philadelphia right now. Uh, Arizona, I think last week might have been a little bit of a wake-up call for them as close as that game was against San Francisco. So I think they come ready to play and uh, win this game pretty handily. So go Cardinals. Nick is taking the Cardinals, huh? Josh, you're taking the Rams. Well, um, this is the divisional game. The Rams have won four games this year, and three of them, they have won every game within their division this year so far. They have uh, beaten the Seahawks, beat the Cardinals in Arizona, and they beat the 49ers, which a lot of a lot of, a lot of other people have. But uh, they only have one, one win outside their division. They beat the Browns, and that was a home game. Uh, Jeff Fisher just gets these guys frothing at the mouth. Uh, when a, a divisional opponent comes in, so we'll look for the Rams to win this one, uh, and uh, and maybe straight up. I I don't know what it is about Jeff Fisher. He just prides himself in beating his own division teams. So we're going to count on him one more time here. Um, no, no real 
interest besides just the fact that it's more than a field goal in this game is the spread. Chuck, do you have an uh, over-under for us on this? Yeah, 43 points on this one. A couple of good defenses. Yeah. I think I would get I think I would roll with the over in that. Just uh just a side well, note. If you, you don't know like what, Josh? Josh, sometimes it's uh it's fun to take a look at the at the history of the point spread on these games. This one started out uh six and a half point favorite, Arizona. Went down to six and then it went down to five and a half just uh, two days ago and it stayed there ever since uh ever since Monday. So we're doing this show on Wednesday. So for two days, it's kind of settled in at five and a half. It'll probably stay around that number. Okay. Uh, Where are we at? Baltimore at Miami. Colts, or excuse me, there I go, the Ravens. It used to be the Baltimore Colts, the uh, in, the uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Dolphins. Dolphins favored by four. I feel like I pick on Tennessee and Jacksonville enough, so maybe this could be the who cares game of the week because neither one of these teams are making the playoffs. Um, but uh, would you say four or four and a half? It was four and a half. It's gone down to four. Okay. Wow. Um I jeez, re- I really don't even care to make a decision on this game, but I'll go with Baltimore. Why not? Uh, I think it'll be a good game, but I think uh, maybe Baltimore. Fun. No, I'll oh, screw that matchup. No way. I'll take, give me Miami. I'm sorry to change mid sentence there, but give me Miami. Oh, Josh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chuck. Get out. Get your out, out your eraser. Miami. Yeah. Well, Josh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. <laughs> I, I have to remind myself to mark these. Uh, use a pencil when I mark these things. So I had to do a yeah. scratch out there. I'm using a pen. All right, Nick. I'm going to send you some colored pencils. That way you can do all my picks in the same color. How about that? Nick, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I got to go with the Dolphins, especially only four points. Uh, Matt Schaub, like you said, I, I can't pick him to even can come to within a field goal of most teams. You know, Cleveland's one thing, but Miami Dolphins, I think they give the ball to Lamar Miller a lot this week, get back on track, and win this game. You guys remember how great a team we thought the Dolphins were after they changed head coaches? Well, all of a sudden, uh, the Dolphins are only three and four since uh, changing, uh, since firing Joe Philbin. But you know, in the first couple of games after they did that, they they looked pretty good. Well, now they fire their offensive coordinator, so I'm going to count on that. <laughs> they fired Bill Lazor, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say that they get another little shot of adrenaline here. Uh, they have something to prove. Their coach wants to be their coach for the next uh, for next season, so he's not going to let them let down. Um, and I think I think Matt Schaub is going to rue the day that he took the field against the Dolphins with Sue and the and the Dolphins defense kind of uh, re-energized. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, give us our second sweep here, and I'll take the Dolphins also. Matt Schaub's middle name is Pick Six. I mean, geez, and Cleveland did it to him, so why can't – geez, Miami's got to do it twice against him, right? Um, ooh, this is a game that I – that could be really good, and uh, I don't know if you'll be surprised by the, who I pick in this one, but what do you think about Seattle at Minnesota? Big matchup here. Seahawks are traveling to Minneapolis, and you know what? I, I – 
this game, uh, the Seahawks were favored by one, and when I looked at the point spreads last night when I wrote all these down, it was a, a pick game. Let me check that real quick again. Yeah, it's still a pick game, Josh. So I've gone back and forth on this one. I initially wanted to go in Minnesota. But, you know, this Minnesota offensive line is so dreadful. But uh, the the Seattle, and the Seattle defense has certainly gelled and gotten better, I think, as the season progressed. But, you know, if they watch – if Seattle – I would like to know if Seattle watched that Green Bay game and see how that defense attacked and beat up Teddy Bridgewater. They're, they're going to need to do that to get things going. But uh, in Minnesota, you know, pounded on Atlanta, and Atlanta's looked obviously very mortal over the last month or so. But, man, I – I hate to take Seattle on the road, even though, but it is just a pick 'em. So why, why not? I think Seattle's got a little mojo going, as Chuck likes to say so often. So I, I'm going to take Seattle in this game just because I don't trust that offensive line for Minnesota. For Minnesota, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take the Vikings um, for no other reason that I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. Uh, they're not identical mirror images of each other, different styles, but I think talent-wise they're pretty even. So in that case, you got to go with the home team, especially when you pick them. Well, we, we need only look at Seattle's record on the road. They lost at the Rams, they lost at the Packers, they lost at the Bengals, they uh, they won within the division at the 49ers, um, but they barely got by the Cowboys, 13-12. to 12. Um, Not a good road team. If they don't have the 12th man, you know, if, if they only have to play with 11 guys, they're, they are mere mortals. And I also think from the game last week when Seattle put up all those points on uh, a Pittsburgh defense, it really isn't that good especially in the run defense, and then they, they torched their pass defense, too. Um, the Seattle's a little bit overrated. Now, now you know, everybody sees Seattle in that national game looking really, really good, you know, and uh, that that, uh, that will inflate the point spread a little bit in that team's favor. So um, I just I, I don't believe in the Seahawks, and I especially don't believe in the Seahawks on the road. So I think the Vikings – uh, in that battle for first in the uh, NFC Norris division, I'll, I'll take the Vikings. Well, and I think that that point spread is a little just more of a reflection on the team that Seattle has been, been over the last couple of years and the fact that Minnesota does seem to be an, a nice emerging team at this point in time, but it's just not uh, – they're not – Yeah, you're right, there. Josh. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to, you know – Say, oh, they're going to beat Green Bay in this division. You know, nobody said that this offseason, but now, right now, here we are. Um, and then, and then, just just with the the public perception of the Seahawks, and uh, you know, if if that wasn't the Seahawks' name, if it was a team like, let's say, the teams had the same statistics and record as the Seahawks, and they weren't named the Seahawks, let's say it was the Forty ers coming in, then you know, the, Minnesota would probably be favored by three or four or five points, but but because it's the Seahawks. That's you know that's worth about three points in the in the uh, in the line. So so it's a little a little over. And I'm not saying this is going to work, but it's a little overinflated on the Seahawks. So that's why I'm taking the Vikings. Okay, uh, battle for New York, Gang Green at the G-Men, Jets at Giants. Uh, the Jets two and a half. 
on the road. Not really on the road, but the Jets, the Jets, <laughs> the visiting team, and their favorite. They're wearing white. Yeah. That's right. I hope they don't wear all white again. I, that doesn't work yeah. for me. <laughs> they gotta have uh, the green. As, as someone who's not a fan of either one of these teams, I think it'd be a whole lot of fun just to sit in the stands for this game because it is New York. Uh, but. Uh, just my sidebar for this game. I think you just really look at this, and this is, I mean, it's there's no real home team. You know, this is both these teams' home stadium. They're wearing white. Uh, who's ever wearing white or whatnot? I, I just really look at it, look up and down the rosters, and the Jets, I think, are just clearly a better team. They come from a far superior division. you you got to take the Jets. Just two and a half, why not? Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. Like you said, uh, Giants being in the NFC East, that's by far the worst division in football. Nobody in that division even has a is even 500 right now. Everybody's under 500. Uh, Jets, they're they're a pretty good team. You know, Chuck was talking about uh, finding a counterpart for Seattle if they were playing in Minnesota. I think the Jets would be a pretty good counterpart there. Uh, the Seattle scored 267. The Jets have 272. Uh, Seattle given up 222 points. The Jets 228. Both teams six and five. The Jets are pretty much the AFC version of Seattle right now, so I, I think that I, I think they can definitely. Yeah. Was that a Jets pick, Nick? That was a Jets, yes. Okay. Um, I can't get a handle on either of these teams. Uh, I think Josh, you said you really didn't have, you really didn't care about either of them. I can't get a handle on either of them. Um, you remember the, the the Jets' whole team was defense. I mean, this used to be a defensive team, you know, Jets uh, stonewalling everybody and not letting anybody have anything. Uh, the Giants will lose to the bad teams and then play well when you least expect it. Um, so I'm going to take the New York Giants plus the points. When, when people aren't expecting them to look good, they all of a sudden come up roses. So um, I'm going to take the Giants in this game. I I do agree with you there. I I, I see that happening, happening because just because, like you said, I mean, you just totally expect that they come through. Uh, what do we think about Atlanta at Tampa? Falcons, Falcons. Let's see. The Buccaneers started out as two and a half point favorites. The Falcons took a lot of money. The Buccaneers are now only one and a half points favorite. Okay, Chuck. Why don't you go ahead and pick this one first? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh, Falcons at Buccaneers. Let's see. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Uh, hot team versus a cold team. It's a very, very simple uh, solution here, uh, equation. Atlanta lost four straight, and they lost to Tampa Bay, San Francisco, the Colts, and the Vikings. Now, three out of those four teams they should they, they should have beaten. Um you know, back when they played those games, uh, Tampa is playing good football. I mean, they they are they are you know hot and cold, but Atlanta's been totally cold, and uh, the Buccaneers seem to think that uh, they can still get in the playoffs. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Levy Smith and the uh, and the Buccaneers. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree, especially if only a point and a half. I have to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, Atlanta's just looked terrible over the last month. It's, yeah, you know, it'd be tough to pick Atlanta against the Browns at this point. So, yeah, Buccaneers all the way. Uh, 
I'd take I would take uh, Atlanta versus the Browns, uh, and I also <laughs> I'll also take them in this game. Like um, I just I like Chuck said with the Giants, you know, just when they appear to be trending downward, they make a surprise. This is a division game. Um, you know, Atlanta is the uh, is the older, more mature team, and New England, or excuse me, Tampa Bay is certainly an up an up and coming team. Um, last time they played, Atlanta won this game by a field goal in Atlanta. Um, or excuse me, Tampa won this game, so I think Atlanta will remember that and uh, return uh, the favor. Tampa beat this team in their home stadium, a division game. I think Atlanta returns the favor, so I'll take the Falcons. What was the spread again? One and one half. Oh, one and one half. Yeah, why not? So I'll take Atlanta plus the one and a half. Kansas City at Oakland. This is uh, this uh, this is a gigantic rivalry. Uh, the Chiefs opened as a three point favorite. They're now two and a half. Okay, well, I guess I will go first. I love the fact that Oakland is a dog at home in this game. So I, and I'm trying not to pick with my heart. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Oakland in this one. You said two and a half. A two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Oakland. I know Kansas City is the hotter team, and this is this is a gigantic rival, like Chuck said. I mean, this is this is a rival within my own family. So this this is a, this is a huge game for for me, and they and I get to do it again uh, at the end of the last week of the season. So I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Oakland. Try not to get my heart involved, but I'm going to take Oakland just because they're the home team dog. Nick, what do you think? Well, on a side note, i got to say I love the NFL's decision to start scheduling these rivalry games, like two games in the last five, six weeks of the season, teams playing each other. Uh, it adds a lot more excitement towards the end of the year, but I, I have to go the other way. I'm going to, I'm going to take the Chiefs, just because, like you said, they are right now the hottest team uh Oakland, they've been kind of inconsistent. They hit a little bit of a lull there. They seem to get things back on track this week, but Kansas City's just playing such good football right now. It uh, seems like it doesn't matter who's run, lining up at running back, they're going to produce points. So I, I have to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, Nick, I agree with you that the, the, the Chiefs have been darlings of uh, of the, uh, especially the, the, the against the, the betters in the last five weeks, winning five in a row. They really are on a uh, on a roll, but they, this this is a really really you know it, it's it's kind of the black and blue division outside the black and blue division. These guys just beat each other up. Um, I, I'm Jack Del Rio, the coach of the Raiders, knows what kind of rivalry this is, and of course Andy Andy Reid does also. But uh, this is in Oakland. Um, the Chiefs, I still think, are going to make the playoffs some way or another. But I think this is a little speed bump. It's interesting to note in fantasy the Chiefs are 31st against wide receivers, and Oakland is 26th against running backs. So we're looking at a at a, at an Oakland passing game against a Kansas City running game. I don't know what to make out of that, but uh, I am playing Amari Cooper this week, and I'm I'm hoping to play Spencer Ware. <laughs> Um, it's the Oakland pass versus the Kansas City run, and, and, and a really, really tight game, and it's going to be a field goal either way. So I'm going to take the Raiders just because they're at home. Okay. 
Uh, Denver, keeping in the same division here, Denver at San Diego. What do you think there, Chuck? And the Broncos on the road are favored by four. I love a home team dog. Um, Did San Diego figure something out, or were they just playing Jacksonville last week? Um, I'm going to go San Diego in this game, just because it seems way too easy to take Denver, even though it's just four points. I think San Diego stays within the four. Uh, Chuck, why don't you go ahead and pick this one first, before Nick. Well, San Diego... I just have to go back to when they played Kansas City at home a couple weeks ago. They're really beat up. Uh, I don't think, I mean, Kansas City has a good enough defense, but they they haven't faced a defense like the Broncos yet. Um, I wrote a little, you know, it's, I know San Diego's got a good passing offense. They're, they're very good. They're very explosive. But um, they only scored three points against the Chiefs. I... And I've I've been kind of down on the Denver offense all year, like they couldn't score many points. But I don't think they're going to have to score many to beat a four-point spread here. So I'm going to take the Broncos and uh, in a, in kind of a you know win it like twenty-one to ten or something like that. Um, we talked about earlier before you joined us, Chuck, that it seems like. You know, like DeAndre going against the worst defensive secondary last week against New Orleans. It seems like such an easy thing. Um, and the flip of, like, D'Angelo Williams going against the worst rushing team a few weeks ago in Cleveland. Now we get Melvin Gordon versus this awesome Denver run defense. So what if Melvin Gordon actually scores a touchdown this week or has 100 yards? I mean, it, it seems totally improbable, but maybe this is the week he breaks out. Um, Nick, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, well, and and you, and you know, in fantasy, also you've got to pick the thing that can that is the most likely to happen. So, would you be? I mean, maybe if you're out of the race in your fantasy football league, you could put Gordon in and hope that happens. But if you're really going for the playoffs, would you? Can you really count on? You know, yeah, yeah. Would you be? You'd be nuts to do that, though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Hmm. Okay, Nick. <laughs> Nick, what do you think? <laughs> Um, yeah, I've got to go with Denver in this one. San Diego, uh, three wins all year. Uh, there are only two teams in the NFL have given up over 300 points this season. That's New Orleans and San Diego. So it's, uh, I think four points, Denver will cover that spread pretty easily. Okay. New England. Ooh, this is this game has actually been flexed to the to the night spot. We are starting. So Philadelphia at New England. This is the Sunday night game now. Chuck, what do you think? I did not know that. It still has it uh, down on my sheet as a one one twenty five game. Okay, um, one twenty five our time, by the way. Patriots are uh, just a little short. You know, there's this thing about how good the Patriots are when they're double digit favorites as opposed to single digit favorites. Well, they went from a ten point favorite down to a nine and a half point favorite. So, so the Patriots are favored by nine and a half. I like it. It is in it is in New England and Philadelphia. Like Nick said earlier, Philadelphia has given up ten passing touchdowns in the last two weeks. And New England's oh, too bad they're beat up at the wide receiver position. But this is Tom Brady. He's going to do whatever the bleep he wants against this defense. Uh, nine and a half. Yes, I, I'm glad it came out of double digits. So I'm going to take New England minus a nine and a half. Nick, what do you think? 
I agree with you 100%. And if I had to put my money on one tight end to score a touchdown in the NFL this week, it would be uh, Scott Chandler. I fill him in for Gronkowski. I think if you're able to pick him up as your uh, tight end fill-in, at least for Gronk, if not for one of the other tight, uh, tight ends that got injured this week, you're really happy and Patriots win this one handily. Yeah, and what does it say about the Philadelphia Eagles that the uh, Patriots are favored by nine and a half points over them, and they're missing Gronkowski, and just about, it, you know, they're going to depend on a guy like Brandon LaFell. Uh, I just, I just don't understand it. The one thing that comes into my mind is, is has Philadelphia given up? You know, we've had heard all those rumors about Chip Kelly really secretly wanting to go to Tennessee, you know. You know, whether whether that's true or not, the team hears those rumors too. Uh the the Cowboy or excuse me, the Lions last week were saying things like they, they've given up and, and maybe Philadelphia will accept that as a challenge, but in my mind I I just can't take the Eagles in this one. This one looks you know, like like everybody in the world is going to be taking the Patriots and I've got to I've got to climb on the bus with everybody else and and take the Patriots. Okay, clean sweep it is. Um, it seems too easy, but uh, I think it is Philadelphia. Um, Carolina, or excuse me, Carolina at New Orleans. Carolina goes into the Superdome as a seven-point favorite. That's home team dog. But I just I can't pick against Carolina right now. I'm actually I I'm actually surprised this is not more than a touchdown. I was thinking I would if I had a guess I guess it would say seven and a half or eight. So I, I I think you just can't bet against Carolina at this point in time. You know their wide receiver core is is coming along and getting very very excuse me getting better as the season progresses. The New Orleans is just bad. In, in the in the back end of this defense. So I'll take Carolina minus the seven. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, the Saints defense isn't just bad. They're not just the worst uh, defense as far as points allowed in the NFL. They're the worst defense by over 30 points. So, uh, yeah, definitely got to go with Carolina. Um, if you're trying to make the playoffs this week and you have a chance to start Cam Newton, you've got to be excited about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um Okay, I'm going to be an idiot again. I was an idiot last week in taking the Saints against the Texans, and I'm going to be an idiot this week in taking the Saints at home plus seven. The Saints are a different team at home. Um, the, the the thing that, that I look at here is that the Panthers, I mean, undefeated or not, I don't, and I haven't had a chance to look back, but I don't think the Panthers have been favored on the road by seven points all season. Now they go into into New Orleans having to uh if New Orleans can put some points up, uh this is going to be tough for the Panthers to cover because they aren't the uh, the roll over people. They're they're a defensive team and not really, you know, an offensive team. Yeah, you're right. The Saints have a poor defense, but I, I think this will be a close one within the division. Um, the Saints can make a statement, you know, in, in all this in, in, in this crappy year that they've been in. They can they can make a little statement and and, uh, and stand up against the Panthers here. So um, I'm going to take the Saints. Not a strong selection, but I'm going to I'm going to play a hunch here. The Saints plus seven. Okay. When you said that, I want to say that. Carolina was favored at Tennessee by seven as well, but I, 
I, really I couldn't. Go, I can't find it. I can't find it at the present. I'm not trying to prove you wrong. I just thought this just popped into my head. Um, well, no, I'm just. I'm just saying I couldn't remember. I don't have any way of looking it up right yeah. now. But I'll. Uh, I'll do some research. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. What do you got for us, Chuck? This was an interesting one. When I looked at all the lines. Uh, Nobody has a line on this game, so what I had to do was look at the last line that there was just to give us uh, give us some kind of reference point. And the only thing I can see was the last line was on Sunday, uh, right after the game, uh, the, uh, the Steelers were favored by seven. So let's go with Pittsburgh by seven. <sighs> that seems like too many points for... I know I know it's in Pittsburgh, but it just seems like too many points for a, a team that got blown up by a very average offense last week in uh, Seattle. I know it was a different uh, different setting there, but I, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with uh, Indianapolis plus the seven, and I and I don't feel very good about it. Nick, go ahead. Um, I agree with you. Indianapolis is a lot better team right now than they were earlier in the season. Uh, Pittsburgh, we you know we think Ben Roethlisberger is going to play, but it's not 100% yet. And even if he does, he's been so banged up this year. It's it's hard to imagine that he's going to be able to still you know all season long be as good as he's been previously this year. Uh, it's it's just too many points, like you said. So I, I don't know if the Colts will win, but I think they'll come within a touchdown. Uh, let me pick this one now, huh? Indianapolis, uh, Pittsburgh was kind of expected. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't do well outside their division. And, uh, you know, I mean, say what you will, they lost to Seattle, but a lot of people expected them to lose to Seattle up there. Uh, the Pittsburgh defense is first in the league against running backs, and Indianapolis has no running backs, so they're going to force Indianapolis to throw. And I am going to guess that this is the game that uh, Hasselbeck comes back down to earth. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Steelers minus the seven, but you guys are just as justified in taking the Colts plus seven. I, 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 I can't get a handle on this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Steelers. I just, just They're probably pretty angry about last week's game. Okay. Um, and according to Yahoo Sports, the uh, Carolina at Tennessee game ended – Carolina uh, minus four and a half, so it was not seven. Um, okay. Uh, oh, Nick gets to go first here as the Dallas Cowboys go to his Washington Redskins. What do you got for us, John? Redskins are favored by four at home. Well, um, Tony Romo's not playing, so i got to go with the Redskins. The Cowboys just are awful. I mean, Matt Castle is not a good quarterback at this point in his career so yeah I, I i don't love it i wouldn't put money on it but i've got to try to be hopeful at least that the redskins can win this one by a touchdown all right chuck what do you think what do the cowboys have to play for here anymore um 
this this may be a, a total laydown game by the Cowboys. Romo is back out again. Uh, they've got really nothing to play for in the season. Uh, they never won a game when Romo wasn't their quarterback, so you got to assume that Washington's going to win this game. Uh, what's the mindset of the Cowboys going in here? I mean, you know, uh, you know. Uh, see, here's here's what you have to look at. Back when Tony Romo went out, they thought, okay, if we can just win a couple of games without Tony, he's coming back, and we have hope. Well, now. Uh, they, what do they have to hope for? I mean, they can't go out to win a couple games and still be in it because uh, because they, they really aren't in it, and, and they're not in it even with their division being the worst in pro football right now. Uh, well, maybe with, uh, with apologies to the AFC South, but the Redskins are good at home. I love the, the the way they're feeling right now, and they're on. Like I say once again, I don't mean to say this too much, but the the Redskins are at their home field. It's a Monday night game. Um, it could be an embarrassing situation for the Cowboys, so I'm going to take the Redskins. I, I really, really like them this week. Remember when the Redskins beat Dallas with Colt McCoy as their quarterback? I just wanted to bring that up. I don't think that's going to happen in the reverse this week, but we know stranger things have happened here and there. But, yeah, you can't really pick Dallas in this game. It And – I really wanted to, but you you hammered home. You said it more than once that the, this is a home game for the Redskins. So you, you got it. You got to go with the Redskins with this one. So that's our our number four clean sweep. So we got Texans plus three, Dolphins minus four, Pats minus nine and a half. I wrote down plus nine and a half. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, and Washington minus <laughs> you say four and a half or four? Just four points. Just four points. Love it. Clean. Sweet. Well, I have one more. Can I, is... can I say one more thing on this, Josh? Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, the Redskins, where where you can beat them is in the pass. Uh, their front seven is, is pretty good. Their defense's secondary is kind of weak. So you may see the Cowboys coming out and really uh, tossing the ball around. It may it, 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 it may go over pretty easily. 42-and-a-half, I think, is kind of a low – it's kind of a low uh, over-under. So, so it, it could be a very entertaining Monday night game. Yeah, but it's Matt Castle. <laughs> and maybe Kellen Moore, maybe Kellen Moore does something huh, yeah. for the Dallas. Well, Cowboys I'm not saying he's going to not saying he's going to complete a lot of passes, but he's going to be <laughs> they're, they're going to be going downfield. <laughs> okay. Balls will be in the air. Okay. Well, that is all we have for you here on the Dynasty Pulse today, Chuck. As always, thank you so much for being uh, the Las Vegas voice of the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Appreciate you, but thanks, you guys. I enjoyed it. Okay. Nick, any closing thoughts there? Well, I was wondering if I could real quick put you on the spot with a little uh, Dynasty trade analysis, actually. Uh, I got offered, I have Devontae Freeman. Somebody offered me a second-round pick and three third-round picks. I turned that down because I thought Freeman by far my best player on my roster, and I need at least a first-round pick in the deal. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's he's certainly worth a first-round pick, I think. I mean, with your situation not having a lot of picks, you know, maybe they're trying to take advantage of you and be in the uh, be in the new guy as well, but uh, which I'm sure you'll see a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I think you need a first round. I would I would counter for maybe like a first and a first and a third if you really if you really want to move him. But uh, maybe I should offer you that. 
But anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that, that league is well, terrible for me. Uh, but I did, I did almost get to 500 this year, so how about that? It's because I have an awesome defense. But that's all we have for you in the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, next week, I forgot to remind him that Bruce Kimbrough should be back to get us psyched about some IDP 2016 prospects. So uh, look forward to that next week. Uh, thank you very much. I hope you have a great weekend. Hope the fantasy playoffs open for you or you make them this weekend. Thank you and, and have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.